You're listening to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast with Mike Chappell and Dave Griffiths. Inside and outside the Fox 59 CBS4 podcast studio, this is the Colts Blue Zone Podcast. I am Dave Griffiths. Mike Chappell joining us from his Beach Grove estate and Joe Hopkins here with me in our 559 CBS4 studio as well. So a uh, training camp beginning podcast for you this week. The Colts have reported they're getting tested this week. It's not exactly the normal report to training camp, Mike, that we've been used to here in Indianapolis over the past three-plus decades. You're certainly not seeing Reggie Wayne arrive in uh, his, uh, I-, I won't say typical, but his uh, his atypical uh methods or whatever it might be there's there's really no pomp and circumstance around this arrival it's it's a couple of videos that the Colts have sent out to us here in the TV business so that we can show that hey yeah oh there 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 are players in town but but it's it's a little bit of a te- uh I guess a tempered uh arrival but still Mike a an an exciting time for NFL fans just to see a a small step forward toward a hopeful season and we'll get to it later when, when Joe plays the interview, but it, it's what Frank Wright called the new normal. And, and people, it's funny, I've mentioned that on Twitter and stories before, and people say, eh, what do you mean new normal? Well, it's, it's, it's not normal, folks. And you're right. We used to always were entertained. It began with Edger and James, and Reggie Wayne took out the baton with how you report to training camp. I mean, Reggie made it epic, whether it was uh, – in the back of Ed Carpenter's Indy 500 car, the two-seater, or I think his last one was a heli- an IU mid helicopter. But, yeah, now these players, they began reporting Tuesday, and what they did, it, it you go in, you get tested, and you go home. And you wait, I think, two days, and you go in on today, and you get tested, and you go home. You have to have three negative tests, and then you're allowed in the building. So they're doing as much as they can to guarantee that we have some kind of preseason and some kind of regular season. As I spoke with uh, Lindsey Jones of The Athletic uh, just a week or two ago and the uh, the vice president of the um, Pro Football Writers of America, she said she's confident the NFL will start the year. Uh, it's, it's hard to be confident right now that they will end the year. Uh, you, you, you certainly hope so, and you certainly hope that they will, and you think the NFL will do everything it can to get to the Super Bowl. But uh, I, I'm, we're getting way ahead of ourselves. I'm putting the cart before the horse here right now. We're, we're focusing on training camp, and that's where we're uh, focusing this show. Mike, as you referred to, we will hear from head coach Frank Reich and general manager Chris Boward a little bit later on here in in this podcast, kind of abbreviated versions. You will have access to the full interviews as well. We will give you a special bonus podcast episode with Chris Ballard and Frank Reich. Uh, Together, they were well over an hour, so that would eat up our entire time. So we'll just hear a little bit from them coming up later. But first, we'll begin with the news around the NFL this week. And, of course, it's not just the Colts. Veterans and rookies have arrived for training camp everywhere, but it is very different as the NFL and NFLPA have reached some agreements on the uh, COVID procedures The 90-man roster is going to be trimmed to 80 by mid-August, and that's where teams are actually allowed to be on the field practicing in helmets or shells and eventually then to full pads. So really, these first couple weeks of strength and conditioning training, well, you're going to have to cut down to 80 players before you really even see them in a quote-unquote practice out on the field. Um, the practice squad will increase to 16 players, which will be very helpful instead of the uh, the usual 10. Uh, Helpful for... um, 
I guess if nothing else, if, if something happens and somebody contracts the virus and you'll have more players to pick from in that pool to, uh, to be able to, to hang on to, it might give uh, Mike, we've talked about Chad Kelly as a fourth quarterback. It might give him a little bit more chance to stick around, but who knows exactly what the Colts will do with, with those extra six positions. But anyway, uh, the first four days of training camp are all testing. Like we've said, there's really not much action right now. Then after three negative tests, you can finally go in, get your physical and, uh, uh, and then eventually move on to strength and conditioning training for a couple weeks. And then there will be a maximum of 14 total padded practices before the season begins. And that begins on August 17th. So, Mike, again, this is something that we've talked about the past couple of weeks, what the NFLPA has wanted and what was pushing for a slow ramp up period. And so that's what it will be, a slow ramp up period. But again, something else that Frank Reich said in his uh, in his availability this week is, Hey, when when you get to practice time, it's going to be full go because the the schedule has set it up so that this is a period that it will work up to practice. Once once practice hits, you can't hold back because the season will be hopefully right around the corner. And that's why I think the union really pushed for this acclimation period because kids won't have the luxury of hard practice easing back. And I mean, they used to tell us at training camp in Westfield that boy, this is going to be a tough camp. And, and, and it wasn't by NFL terms. But now I'm not saying you're going to be hitting two hours every day in the 14 practices, but you can't you, you can't ease into your padded practices because, again, you're only talking – I've got a calendar, so you're talking three and a half weeks probably of concentrated practices before you play. So it's, it's going to stress a lot. And one thing that it's going to stress is – and both Frank Reich and Chris Ballard mentioned it is – evaluating the bottom of the roster and, and those undrafted guys and, and guys you think you like and you think you know. But it's always been practice in, in the preseason games that tells you, is this guy a practice player or is he, or is he a gamer? And they're going to really have to go on their scouts, what their scouts tell them, because you're there's going to be limited reps for the bottom of the roster. It's just a fact. So this, again, it's the new normal and in, the one good thing, I guess, if it's a good thing, it's a level playing field. Every team's going through this. So I, I, I'm looking forward to when they're out there in pads just to see how certain things shape out. We'll get to it later in this program, but some interesting battles to go to position-wise. But th- th- this is, again, we're, we're treading into uncharted territory as far as camp and teams. And still right now, the NFL does have a – one eye kind of on the present, Joe, and one eye on the future, kind of nailing down some of the financial terms for for the future. And instead of the salary cap continually going up and up and up, as we've seen in the years past, next year we know it's going to go down just because the league knows it's going to take a hit financially this year. Uh, fortunately for the Colts, as we've said, they're they're maybe not in the catbird seat because it's still it's still a, a, a de- detracting from what they are able to do, but. Uh, a team that will still have a substantial amount of money to play with next year because they don't have anybody tied up to a lot of long-term agreements right now. Uh, it still gives you options what you have to do and what you can and can't do next year. But uh, the, the Colts, uh, in terms of salary cap for the future, it, it, if it takes a step back in terms of how much you can spend, it's not the end of the world. You don't have to go carving out your roster if you're uh, general manager Chris Ballard looking to next year. Yeah, it's certainly not going to hurt the Colts as much as it hurt might hurt some other teams like Kansas City, who's already, you know, thrown a lot of money around this offseason. Um, but it will play a factor. I mean, we've talked about it before. The Colts have a handful of very significant and impactful players who are going to 
need a new contract either this offseason and the next. So it, it will play a factor, and maybe the Colts can re-sign their own but not be as aggressive in going out and getting a new piece. And what now one other th- – oh, sorry, Mike, did you have something to say? No, I was just going to say on, on that angle, that, I'm, I'm writing about that today. Again, we talked about it last week. The, the free agents are, are, are deep. Phillip Rivers, Brissett, Hilton, Kelly, Justin Houston, Audrey Hooker, uh, Marlon Mack. So they've, they're at least in position to re-sign it. Own. I wouldn't be surprised if maybe Ryan Kelly gets done, but there are some teams uh, that are going to be over the cap by a lot. Can you imagine trying to get Zach and Dak Press got done now with with, with not not a flat cap but a, but but a, a condensed cap? So this again, the culture in good position, but it's not going to be it's going to be tough managing your roster with with less cap space. Also kind of been ironed out, uh, at least more so ironed out, what players can do to opt out of this 2020 season, whether as uh, high risk themselves or whether just as voluntary. There's some certain stipends that you get uh, one way or the other. Um, A couple of players who have opt out, Chief starting right guard, Laurent Duvernay-Tardif, working at a Canadian nursing home. He graduated from medical school and he has been working uh, at this uh, uh, this facility for for all of summer. Um, also, Chiefs uh, running back Damian Williams going to opt out. It seems like half of the Patriots aren't going to play <laughs> in, in, in 2020. You've seen a growing list, Mike, of the Dante Hightower, Patrick Chung, Marcus Cannon, guy guys who are really big contributors, starters on that Patriots team that uh, and a couple of other players as well that that have been contributors in the past that 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 aren't going to play and some other players around the league like um, Minnesota's free agent defensive tackle acquisition, Michael Pierce, uh, Chicago's Eddie Goldman, New York Giants left tackle, Nate Soldier, uh, a, a ton, including former Colt Devin Funches as well from uh, Green Bay. So that's two seasons in a row that we will not see Devin Funches really on a field outside of the first couple quarters of 2019 until he broke his collarbone here with the Colts. But that, that was a topic, of course, Mike, that was brought up with uh, Chris Ballard and Frank Reich as well, talking about players opting out and, they said they haven't had any conversations with anybody yet who is saying that, hey, I want to opt out. And what, what Frank Reich's message was, if anybody does come to him like that, he just wants to provide them. It, it didn't sound like he would be like encouraging them to do so. It sounded more like he would provide um, provide information is what he said. Not that he would be discouraging of them to opt out. I don't want I don't want to put words in Frank's mouth, but his initial reaction was, we want to provide people with the best information possible. So if anyone comes to the Colts saying they're thinking about opting out, their first reaction will be to make sure that they're doing so for the right reasons. Yeah, and the, the, you know, the, we've got listed on here. There, there's the two op, opt-out message or avenues. A series, if you've got a medical risk, it's $350,000 you get paid. And then if you just opt out without really maybe personal reasons, it's $150,000. The difference is people need to realize $350 does not get paid back. The $150 is a loan. You have to pay back the $150 next year. So it, it, it's, it's, it's options. And I was looking, as of at the end of yesterday, uh, 51 players have been put on the COVID-19 reserve list, meaning they tested positive or were in close contact, including two Colts. Malik Henry and Jackson Porter, and 27 players had opted out. 
and I believe they have another week to decide whether to opt out or not. So uh, we haven't seen the end of it. Uh, the, the one good thing, sort of in my mind, I hate to say it's a knock on wood, Colts tested, the, the Colts veterans tested on Tuesday. I would assume if there were positive tests, that would have shown up Wednesday on the NFL transaction wire, I would think. So it, it seems, it seems I won't say a positive news, it, it seems like the good news that the Colts had no other positive tests, but once you start feeling good about that, then start rolling in and then you're in trouble. One uh, note about a conversation we briefly had last week, more news around the NFL, is that the Jets have traded safety Jamal Adams to Seattle. And uh, per our discussion last week, Joe. I was, I was a little off on that one. Th- there, there was a slight <laughs> discrepancy between what Joe thought the Colts what might was have Joe to give up. Give up Joe was going to give up uh, Malik Hooker and a, a third-round pick. A, a third and Malik yeah. Hooker. Yeah. They would have uh, hung up on your ass so quick. Yeah. The, the, I shouldn't blame them. Seattle gave up two first-round picks and a third-round pick and a safety for uh, Jamal Adams and wow. a fourth round pick that that Mike that is a haul and, and as much as I love safeties and I've said this before on this podcast I love good safety play my goodness that that is that is a backing up the Brinks truck to bring in this guy well but but you haven't backed up the Brinks truck yet that's the next that's the next phase it, it won't be this year but next year you have to pay this guy as the highest paid safety in the league which I'm guessing is Landon Collins. I'm not sure, but you in the NFL, you just have to prioritize positions, quarterback, pass rush, left tackle safety. Boy, I just, I don't care how good that guy is. Malik Hooker may find that out. Probably hmm. will find that out in the off season is be careful what you wish for. You know, he's, I think Adams is under contract for two more years. I believe it is, but he wants to get paid and, it's one thing to give up draft picks. Now you got you know. Now you're talking Brinks truck. Three Colts have made the NFL top 100, which is voted on by the NFL players. Uh, Quentin Nelson, the highest ranking among them, is 29th overall, which becomes the highest ranking for a guard ever. Um, Darius Leonard's at 50. DeForest Buckner at 56. Uh, out of everyone who's on the Colts, those were certainly the three that you would expect to to po- perhaps make the top 100. And having 32 teams in the NFL, that's an average of just about three per team if you cut it down evenly. So you'd say the Colts are just about average in terms of their elite players in, across the league. Some some teams, of course, have well more than three, and some teams have less than three here on the NFL's top 100 list. But um, h- hard to really argue with, with anything here. I'm sure Darius wishes he was a little bit higher and will post this as more motivation for himself in terms of feeling slighted uh, by uh, by his fellow peers. But Quentin Nelson at 29, as much as we love Big Q, I, I think it'd be harder to put a guard, Mike, any higher than, than that, really, on this on this list. We all love lists. Some, some of us love them more than the others. All I will say, and, and again, everybody's got a job to do, and they all – this this was a vote of players. Patrick Mahomes is number four on the list. Patrick Mahomes, they consider the fourth best player in the league. I'm sorry. I, I just, I, I, I love Aaron. You know, he, he's one or two. If you want to put Aaron, I'd put Aaron Donald maybe up there. I think uh, Lamar Jackson was one. So whenever you put Patrick Mahomes number four, I, I question the entire list. <laughs> Joe. Yeah. I mean, 
I think I'm not the only one who has this opinion that the list is deeply flawed. I mean, whenever you just get players and voting, there's going to be a lot of biases and uh, recency bias as well thrown around. So it's a fun list. It's a good talker for the NFL in the you know middle of the summer. But other than that, there's not much value to it. Three Colts of Washington placed. I, go ahead. I agree, I agree with Dave. Th- this is motivation for Darius Leonard. It just is. He 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 finds disrespect where it's not, and he will use this to to further motivate himself, which is a good thing. Three calls have been placed on the physically unable to perform list, the pup list, including tight end Mo Cox and uh, defensive end Kamoko Ture. Um, That's just, Joe, guys who have not passed their physicals yet, basically. You have to put them on this list if they're not able to pass the physical, and then once you finally are able to pass a physical and practice, you can't return to this list. So it's it's a little bit of a housekeeping thing. Um, you, you'd imagine that Kamoko Ture is close because he broke his ankle last week five, I think, last year. Mm-hmm. So that was in uh, October. October yeah. yeah. So he, he's got to be darn close. And you see videos of him training with um, Robert Mathis online, and, and he looks good. He looks like he's in good shape. Um, it's a lot of upper body workout that he's doing. So I don't know exactly. They, of course, don't release why you don't pass uh, the physicals here. But nevertheless, that, that's still still a hurdle that, that Kamoko Ture has to um, has to overcome. I, if I'm a Colts fan looking at this, I, I of course, don't love it. But I, I wouldn't be uh, freaking out with my hair on fire just yet anyway. Yeah, it's not it's not the time to panic yet. There's plenty of time for Kamoko to pass his now physical. Now is the time to panic. <laughs> I know. Well, you know, for a. Young, exciting player who's been facing a lot of injuries already. It's not certainly not encouraging, but this is a uh, this is like you said, more housekeeping than anything well, else. It, no, and again, not, again this ahead. is the camp too. You're not going to really practice until the middle of August, uh, so, so you you do have time. And the Colts, like a lot of teams, they're very conservative on on getting guys back, but. I think you start worrying if when they're, when they're back 11 on 11 in, in the middle of August, if he's not out there, then there's a little bit of a concern, but we're not there even close to that yet. So where we are right now is at the start of training camp. And Chris Ballard and Frank Reich both spoke with the local media on Wednesday of this week. We'll listen to a little bit of Chris Ballard first. Again, you can hear the full interviews in our bonus Colts Blue Zone podcast that will be available for download later this week. But for now, here is a bit of what Chris Ballard had to say. There's four things to me that, you know, are, are, are going to be critical. One is testing. It's not everything, but it's important. Um, the second is contact tracing, you know, making sure if somebody gets sick, we know who they've been in contact with long periods of time, um, social distancing, um, and then sanitizing, um, and wearing a mask. Uh, all of these things we are doing and we're going to do them at a high level. And, you know, there's some just simple basic things that we can do. And, and, and one is wearing a mask. I don't, I don't understand why that is such a controversy in our country right now. Put a damn mask on. Why is, why is that so hard? Um, it's not about you. It's about, it's about everybody else. And, you know, and we will do that um, within the building. Um, now, practice will be, you know, different, but they've got some ways to, to handle that. Um, but saying that, uh, we're going to do everything we can to try to be the best that we can be in this area. Now, saying that, uh, we're going to expect bumps along the road. This is unknown. We're in unknown territory. 
Um, each and every day is a new day. Every day is going to be, we're going to learn something new um, each and every day. And we're going to have to adjust on the fly because if you don't, then you could, then you could have problems. So we've got to be pretty nimble on our feet and, and also nimble mentally to be able to see and adjust to anything um, that happens. Uh, but saying that, we feel good about where we're at. We feel good about where we're going. Um, and we'll get ready to, get ready to uh, start training and, and get a football team ready to play. And one that we think's got a chance to do some, some really good things. Look, there's, there's going to be sacrifices that are going to have to be made by all of us. Um, everybody that's, that's in the building right now that's with a tier, players, coaches, staff, we're all going to have to make sacrifices. Um, and it, it's, it's the ultimate, it's just like the ultimate test of discipline, you know, right now. Um, you know, can you sustain it? Um, for a long time. I mean, I'll give you an example. I mean, I've already cut off um, for the season any visitors coming to town and always got visitors coming in every weekend. But, you know, that's just not the world we're living in right now. Um, you know, and unfortunately, um, we're not going to be able to uh, celebrate every Sunday together with family and friends that I'm used to have coming up for games. Um, so there's going to be sacrifices that each one of us are going to have to be made. And I, and, you know, and I'll talk to the team and I've already talked to him about it, but you know, there's going to have to be that peer pressure from within the locker room to know that um, when you, if you do something, you know, outside of this building um, that puts the team at risk, that's a, you know, that's a selfish move. Um, now we have protocols in place um, to hopefully catch it from testing, um, you know, from the daily questions and temperature checks and all the other stuff we're doing to catch it before it gets in the building. Um, but no, it, look, it's the ultimate test of discipline that we're all, this league's going to go through. And look, you're, I mean, like one of the really cool things that's going on right now in the NFL is like, we're talking to each other, trying to help each other figure this out. Um, and I know Frank's had a lot of communication with other head coaches in the league. Um, I've had communication with a lot of GMs in the league and coaches, you know, just what are you doing? You know, what can we do better? Um, that's really cool. I mean, that, that's the, that's the, you know, I think we all want to make this a go and make this work. I mean, cause everybody's saying we can't do it. I mean, I, there ain't nothing better than proving people wrong that we can do it um, and we can do it safely. Uh, so I think you're seeing a league come together um, and try to do the right thing and help each other. I mean, because you don't want to see the, you know, you don't want to see the competitive advantages come into play here. I mean, we, when, when we win, we want to win and we, you know, you don't want an asterisk next to the win. Um, are there going to be times when things happen? Absolutely. I mean, uh, this is a highly, this is a contagious disease. So there's going to be circumstances that, on on certain Sundays where you're going to be missing some guys, but we just we just move forward and we do everything we can uh, to mitigate the risk and keep everybody safe. All right, Mike Chapel. Hey, Mike. Chris, how you doing? A couple of things, just operationally. Will you stick with the 90-man roster until whatever the date is? Is it August uh, 16th or whatever it is? So 16th. You know, we're going to stick with it for right now. 
um, and then make a determination of when they give you the option of being able to make the determination to go down to 80. Um, so right now we've just, you know, we've got, you know, rookies, injured players and quarterbacks in. So they're, we're operating out of the 90. Um, we'll make that decision here in the next, you know, five to 10 days. Also with, with you, you, like a lot of teams, you're always looking for players. Are you allowed to bring in free agents now or is that not no. allowed? No, we cannot work guys out. We can bring players in with the intent to sign them, but we cannot work players out right now. And I don't know when I don't know when free agent tryouts are going to start. They haven't given us that. One last question, then I'll quit hogging. You're allowed, I think, two workouts at the stadium for fans. Is that a risk you're not going to take? Yeah, we're we're having some internal discussions um, about that, but um, and I my point was, you know, I think it's depending on what's going on in the city, you know, where we at, what kind of restrictions do we have, um, you know, what's their recommendation. Um, the the last thing I want, um, and organizationally, the last thing we want um, is to put anybody in harm's way. Don't want to do that, and we won't do that. So we'll make that decision when we when we finally nail down the dates and see what's going on, you know, here around the city. I mean, this is going to be a fluid. There's going to be there's this is going to be very fluid throughout the season, um, and we're learning. Like this month's important because we're going to learn a lot. We're going to learn the do's and the don'ts, and you know what do we need to adjust? Um, you know what are the things we have to change? Um, so day to day, we're going to learn. So I mean, we're already in the first few days of being here, we've learned things um, that are going to help us going forward. And I think that's going to be the case. I mean, this we're in uncharted territory here. Bob Kravitz. Bob. Hi, Chris. How you doing? Excuse my dog in the background. That's all right. Um, with, with, with no preseason games, how does that alter your ability to reach conclusions on players? And how will it impact those undrafted free agents who are the last, I think, 21 years, you've had at least one make the squad? Yeah. Um, it's, 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 I mean, look, it's going to be a challenge. We're going to have to set up competitive situations um, in training camp to be able to really evaluate uh, the player we best we can. Um, the 16, the 16 man practice squad that we're talking about having um, is going to help um, because it's, you know, I'd be surprised if you see as many claims as you did in the past. Um, but we've got to set up, you know, competitive situations. And I, you know, and I hear the talk about the rookies um, and then all the missed, you know, the missed extra reps the rookies have had, and yeah, it's going to impact them. But but look, all 32 teams are dealing with the same. We're, or 31 other teams are dealing with the same things that we're dealing with, um, and every rookie is dealing with this. Um, you know, Cream will if if they're talented like we think they are, um, and even the undrafted free agents, um, they'll show. We'll give them a chance to show um, where they got a chance to. You know, if we think they can play a role and help us, they'll they'll make the team. I mean, I always think back to Darius. Um, if it, you know, if you recall, Darius didn't practice a snap in OTAs, none, zero. And all he did was go out and be defensive player, you know, rookie of the year. They're good players. They've been playing this game a while now. I mean, this ain't, you know, we're not talking about the first time they're ever, you know, putting on a uniform and touching a football. These guys have played football. And I actually think for rookies, 
because they wear down. I mean, if you think about it, they go through their whole season. A lot of them play bowl games. Then they go in the pure training mode for the combine. They go to the combine. Then they have pro days, a ton of visits. Then they end up on a – they get drafted or as an undrafted free agent by a team. They go all of May, all of June. They really get about a three-week break, a four-week break, and then they're kicking up camp. It is a grind for a rookie. And there's, it'd be interesting to see. I mean, they haven't been through that same grind that they have, you know, in the past. So it'd be interesting to see physically. All the rookies that showed up are on really good physical shape. Rusty Jones and um, his staff did a tremendous job um, making sure these guys, you know, were working and doing what they needed to do. Um, and we put a big emphasis on that this offseason. And our rookies, um, they came in in really good shape and ready to go. Kevin Bowen. Chris, as you look at your roster, um, most intriguing positions that stand out to you, some battles you're looking forward to watch? Well, I mean, I'm just sitting here peeking. I mean, I, I think the linebacker position is one that I think we got a lot of talent. Uh, be fun to watch those guys battle for the roster. Um, uh, you know, I think we got, you know, three tremendous linebackers and, you know, Darius Walker and Okariki. Um, I, I think we can compare them to anybody in the league. Um, and they're all young um, and athletic, fast, everything we want. Um, but then, you know, behind it's not like it's chopped liver either. I mean, we think speed's got, you know, a lot of upside. Um, you've got Matt Adams and Zaire, who are both mainstays. Um, and both have played for us and been great on teams. And then you got Glasgow added um, that, that we think's got, you know, a really good fit. So that, that's going to be fun to watch. Um, the, there's no question that, you know, on the D-line, um, I mean, you know I'm driven by it. Um, we know we got to be great there. So I'm, I'm looking at, you know, what the addition of Buckner, you know, how it's really going to impact everybody else. And I think it's going to have a big impact. Um, and I think he's a pretty special um, player, but also a special person. Um, and he's going to be a great addition. It'd be fun to watch that. And then, you know, of course, the kicking battle. Um, we're going to have to find ways to make sure that we create um, enough competition and pressure situations for both McLaughlin and, and Blankenship. Um, but, and Frank and staff have a plan for it. Um, but, but that's going to be an interesting one to watch. That was Colts general manager Chris Ballard speaking with the local media this week. And now here is a bit of head coach Frank Reich. Will it be more difficult to, to get a really serious good look at undrafted guys, late round picks? Or do you think you've got a really good grasp on who can do what and who is what? I think without question, the more reps that you can see of a guy, the better. We all have you know, we all think we're pretty good evaluators in this building. And so, um, and so we, so naturally I think we feel confident we're going to be able to figure out who it is that should make our team and who's going to help us the most. But realistically, does it hurt them? Yeah. I mean, realistically it does hurt them a little bit. It, there's a little bit of a, there's a little bit of a nuance there that um, without those games um, now, the other side of it that oh, though is Chris and I, I was Chris and I were talking about this today is without the preseason games, um, you know, there's really no ramp up practices. We're going hard in practice. I mean, so you're not you don't have to 
slow down the day before the preseason game. You know, every practice is, you know, you're working your opportunities in there. We'll go down to Lucas Oil a couple times right now, you know, have a plan. So we'll go down to, if all things work out, which it looks like they are, you know, working with Pete and Chris and just going through all the details there, we'll go down to Lucas Oil twice to kind of get that routine. And we'll try to make those, those practices as game-like as we can as well. All right, Stephen Holder. Hey, Stephen, how you doing? I'm good, how are you? Um, kind of an extension of, of what Chap asked. Um, you know, I was going to ask, um, how well do you think you know this team? You know, because by now you would have gotten, you know, a lot of on-field work, limited as it may be. Uh, but, you know, you could tinker with things, you could try things. Um, you're kind of starting from scratch a little bit. Um, do, do, do you feel like you have a handle of what you have, or do you feel like that's still uh, to be learned? So a lot of it's still to be learned. You know, do we have as good of a handle of it as if we had the offseason with them, you know, in person? Of course not. I mean, I'd be, you know, you know I like to be optimistic, but that would be unrealistic to say that. Here's what's to our advantage, though. Every team has new pieces. But when I look at, uh, at least on, to start on offense, who are the new pieces? Who are some of the new pieces we have? Um, well, the quarterback, we all know that story. I don't have to go into that. We know, I, I know the quarterback. He knows the offense. He knows our coordinator and our, you know, so there's, I feel good about that. Trey Burton is another uh, really important piece to this equation. Um, I think Trey's going to have a really productive year. Um, and, but I was with Trey for two years. So we know we have a vision. I've talked to Philip a lot about the role that we envision Trey going into. And as an offensive staff, you know, Nick and I have talked a lot about that. So, and then, you know, then all of a sudden you get Pittman and Jonathan Taylor and so on. And those are rookies and they're, they'd be the same anyway. But we've spent so much time studying, studying them. Feel like we have a pretty good idea what they can do. So, um, is it perfect? No, but I feel real confident that comparatively speaking, we're in good shape. Hey, Coach, you've mentioned the maturity of your team a couple times. This seems like a year where that could be very relevant and just, I guess, trusting your players when they go out from your facility where you have so much control of them to not much control to have their best interest and the team's best interest in mind during that time, right? Yeah, Dave. Um, yeah, for sure. I mean, there's probably not a day that's gone by in the last two weeks that Chris and I haven't talked about that, specifically talking about the maturity of our team. Naturally, we're biased like anybody's biased, but I just feel like that what I said to Chris the other day, when I know he's in agreement with this, is that this puts our team, I believe this puts our team in a competitive advantage. Uh, I really do. I, I believe that because I believe we got high character guys, really guys who are willing to sacrifice, guys who are willing to do the best to do the right thing. But at the same time, we need to acknowledge, and like uh, I know Chris has said, you know, this is the ultimate test in discipline, in team discipline, and I do think that's true. But I also think that sometimes things happen. There's there's the, the quote-unquote luck factor. There's providential factors that – sometimes are out of our control. We could be the most disciplined team, the most mature team in the league. And you can't stop, you know, you, you can't stop at all. 
You, there's, there's some things you can't stop and that you have no control over. So it's a maturity to not only handle it the best situ- handle it the best way we can, but also if something does happen like that, we just can't overreact to what's happening. Like to say, oh, who let us down? You know, where make that person feel guilty where you let the whole team down. Stuff is going to happen. It's going to happen. So let's just do the best we can to handle it, and then we'll respond accordingly. Joel Erickson. Hey, Frank. Uh, sort of along those lines, um, I know some other coaches have talked about, like, uh, splitting squads in practice to get guys more reps or, uh, you know, having one quarterback who's like a quarantine quarterback and kind of off by themselves. Have you given thought to any of those things in terms of how to get guys more reps or how to preserve someone at an important position? Yeah. Hey, Joel. Um, yeah. So something we did, we did it. We did it our first year here in 18. We didn't do it as much last year, but in training camp, you know, we'll split the field. Uh, we'll split the field. Some it won't be every day, but that'll be one way. That'll be one way to get more guys, more guys uh, at the back end of the roster, more reps. So we'll have two fields going. We're running the same plays, the same defenses. So we're getting double the amount of plays. You have to be a little bit careful of that, Joel, because right, because players can only take so many reps before their bodies break down. But it is a good way. It is a good way to address it. Um, the other thing, as far as um, you know, the, the quarterback, like. You asked the question about keeping the quarterbacks away, quarantine them one. We've talked about that scenario. I mean, I don't know if you guys have seen, but I'll show you, like, here's the uh, this wristband on it. Here's the contact tracer. I don't know if you can see that. So this contact tracer, it's beeping blue. It is a slow beep of blue, right? It's a so slow blue, uh, beep of blue. And if you had one on and we were within six feet of each other, it would start beating fast beat red. And so, um, again, we won't allow this to be a distraction, but like we've set up our meeting rooms so that we set all these things on the meeting room to make sure that none of them are beeping red when uh, everybody is sitting in their seat. So if the quarterback, and, and that goes not only in the team room, but in every, in every position room. Um, there's still the question, you know, six feet's not a magic, you know, that's the guideline. But there will be times that we may consider there, – there may be times where we may consider taking a guy out of a room and having him meet virtually, you know, if we get to that point. We're not going to do that yet, but we have talked about that scenario. Once again, Colts head coach Frank Reich speaking with the local media as training camp begins in Indianapolis at the Farm Bureau Football Center, Indiana Farm Bureau Football Center on West 56th Street. Even though there's not a whole lot of players there right now, Mike, as you alluded to earlier in this, you you take your test, you go home. You take your test, you go home. And then eventually, finally, you can make it in there for uh, for a little bit of uh, physical and uh, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, as of now, it's, it's a rather empty uh, Colts complex. But nevertheless, let, let, let's break down what we heard from from Chris Ballard and Frank Reich. Uh, a, any big takeaways, Mike, that you got from from both of those guys this week? Yeah, really from, from Chris Ballard, and he really, two, two things. that it, one's, one's a really sensitive issue with him when he says, put on a damn mask. It really riles him how, how, how a segment aren't taking this serious, and he just says, wear a mask. Just wear a mask to help, and that's one of their four 
pillars is what is it uh, testing contact tracing and sanitation you know sanitation wash your hands and wearing a mask and then he he really pointed out the 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 the, the key issue of all of this is it's on the players you simply you simply have to trust that you don't have knuckleheads like Lou Williams going to a bar, a strip club. Uh, he called I hear the they L- have good wings. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Get your TNA somewhere else or some other time. But but you, you he called it the ultimate test of discipline because when 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 these guys' work day is over, they're going home. Now some of these players are back. In, in a hotel who haven't made the team and all that. And I've wondered why, and I wish I had asked Chris yesterday, but we're down out of time. Why for that first month, don't you have a hotel lockdown? I, I just makes for at least a month. You've got things under control, but it's up to these players to make, as he said, sacrifices and, and don't do things selfishly. Like, like Chris Ballard said, he's already told his family and friends, you won't be visiting on weekends during the season, he said, you know, you see, you always have family and friends over that's not going to happen. So these players, young, young kids who, who a lot of them think they're invincible, they can't do normal things. And that if this thing goes haywire in my mind, it'll be because somebody does something they shouldn't. And all it takes is, you know, you're what's, what's the saying? You're only as strong as your weakest link. Mm-hmm. So it only takes one guy or a couple of guys to do things they shouldn't to really mess it all up. And young players, again, you want to celebrate, too, with your family, with your exactly. friends. That, that, that happens. And, like, you've been working your entire life to make it in the NFL, and now you're here. You've been working your entire life for that first big contract extension, and now you get it. And, like, you're, you're thrown into this situation, Joe, where you, really it is a test of your will. It is a test of your own discipline and but but frank reich also made the point that that you you can't put too much pressure on that because there could like the the virus still could creep in you don't want to immediately blame someone for it it could have happened even with all the precautions you take so it's a little bit of a catch-22 in the sense that yes you have to trust players to be smart but at the same time you can't uh what frank said you can't just pile on if some if some way somehow uh, the virus creeps in and then you have to take extra measures to try to get it out. Yeah, I kind of like the way they put it where it was like we need some internal um, peer pressure not to make stupid decisions when we go out. But if, you know, they accept that things are going to happen, they're probably going to have a few coaches or players that are going to have to miss some games. And it doesn't help at that point to then pile on that player. It, it is what it is. Let's move on um, and do the best we can. I also thought it was very interesting that Wright says he believes it gives a team advantage, um, this kind of dependence on the players to make the right decisions, because that's how Ballard and Wright have really built the team, is bringing in high-character, high-quality, mature players. And so that's an area where Wright thinks the Colts may have advantage over some other teams where they might have taken more risks on some more um, outlandish personalities. There was there was one thing that that I that really stuck out to me, and this is very much uh, unrelated. But when Frank Reich, Mike, took about a minute or two to really talk about Trey Burton and how much he really likes Trey Burton and how much he really wants Trey Burton to be part of the offense, that really stuck out stuck stuck out to me. Like I, 
I, I don't know why. Maybe it's just the the f- fantasy football guy in me. Well, uh, <laughs> it really really caught my ear there. But it, it sounds like he he is very serious about about getting Trey Burton the ball this year. And they and they need to. That that's if you look at all the spots on offense, the the one in my mind that's the biggest question mark is who is your downfield tight end? It's not Jack Doyle. Jack Doyle does everything else but that. So I'm not saying Burton's going to be uh, Eric Ebron at all, but he needs to be that guy that gets you, you know, 11, 11 12 yards of reception and occasionally is down deeper. So, and he's coming back from hip surgery. So they need this and, and it's always interesting that, that he's, he, he's got the history with it. He knows what this guy can do when he's healthy. He's seen it. But it's very clear that this is a guy that he, he he's either pulling for or really believes this guy can be an integral part of this, of what could be a pretty good offense. Also, a few touch uh, from, bleh, excuse me, from Frank Reich and Chris Ballard. They touched on a couple of training camp battles, things that they'll be paying attention to over the coming weeks and things that we should pay attention to as well. So uh, that will be a topic of discussion for the remainder of this Colts Blue Zone podcast, some of the top training camp battles that are going to be out there. And we'll start with linebacker because it, it seems like, uh, once again, uh, the Colts and Chris Ballard loves his linebacking group, especially the top of it, the top three. He says he would put uh, Darius Leonard, Anthony Walker, and Bobby Okereke up against any unit uh, in the NFL and uh, and feel good about himself because they're young, they're athletic, they're exactly what he wants in his linebackers. But the real battle is going to be between Anthony Walker and Bobby Okereke. Are they both going to make the team? Absolutely, they will both make the team. But which one will see more playing time? Anthony Walker's been the starter at the mic for the past couple of years. And he's been growing into that position, getting better by the year. He's better than I think people realize across the NFL. But at the same time, Bobby Okereke is a little bit more of the physical freak mode that uh, that Chris Ballard loves. And he can physically do more than Anthony Walker can. It's a matter, I think, of how comfortable he is in the defense here in year two, whether he sees more time. If he still hasn't grasped it as well, then it'll be Walker's job mostly, and we'll just see sprinkles of Bobby Okariki. So, uh, Joe, I'm going to start with you. What do you think about uh, th- this battle and what we'll uh, be looking for as the uh, 2020 season approaches in the linebacking group? I think it's going to be really hard for Walker to ho- hold off Okariki. Like you said, you know, he, he made a lot of splash plays last year as a rookie, and now in his second season, he should have a much better grasp of the defense and be able to just react and not think and let his athleticism take over. Uh, I think if Bobby Okariki isn't starting over Walker week one, he will be by the end of the year for sure. Mike. Yeah. Now the only, the only thing is I, I agree with most of what Joe says is, but the issue is starting when they go out there to start, it's going to be all three of them. The, the issue, the issue, the the issue is going to, what's that? I said, depending on the offense, if they have the two or three linebackers out there in the base, it's going to be all three of them. Sure. The issue is always going to be, which they're in sub package, probably, I don't know, 6% of the time. Don't you think the team wants Okariki to have more reps? Don't they want him to be uh, the nickel linebacker along with Leonard in the pro. And I don't want people to take this that we're, that we're ripping on Anthony Walker. That's not the case. It's just that Okariki is more Darius Leonard 
than he is Anthony Walker, and that's what you want in your nickel. You want coverage more. And I think Anthony Walker is a solid, solid upper echelon, upper third of the league middle linebacker, but he's not what you want at nickel when you've got Leonard and Okariki. So uh, who wins the job? If we're talking the nickel job, I think it's Okariki. I also thought it was interesting how Ballard did mention my guy EJ Speed as well, and I think think he's going to get a lot more opportunities this year. He did. Reference um, your boys hire Franklin Syracuse University <laughs> and also Matt Adams as mainstays. Um, so I'd be surprised if they went anywhere as well. And then he brought up Glasgow. So it's a deep, interesting linebacker core. And uh, I'm excited to see how it all shakes out. Who well, it, it was either NFL Network or Pro Football Focus had this group ranked like, was it fifth in the league? Fifth it's or sixth in the five, league? Yeah. And, and it really was, it's on, it's on those three guys. You, you really can't. The, the rest of those guys, have for, for the most part, been special teams players. Right. They, they've not really done much at all because your guys have stayed healthy. But I, I like the top of this, and then we've yet to see EJ speed much. And I think Glasgow's a guy that makes this roster just because of special teams. But th- this is a very good group. This is like Battle said, this is the kind of group he wants at linebacker. On the defensive line, in front of the linebacker should be another interesting battle in training camp for who really – Gets the uh, bulk of the reps as the starting defensive end outside of just uh, opposite rather of Justin Houston. We know Houston's going to be there, um, but opposite him, Kamoko Ture still working his way back from that broken ankle last year, as we mentioned earlier, still on the pup list right now. Al-Kadeen Muhammad, who we talked a little bit last week about last week on the Colts Blue Zone podcast, we feel is an underrated member, has really been a productive guy when he's, his, his number was called. And Ben Banigou as well, a second-round pick in his second year out of TCU. Uh, this is the time where you you expect second-round picks to step up, you know. And uh, Kamoka Ture, of course, was a second-round pick as well, but he was a second-round pick, I guess, two years ago. So like, both of those guys w- would certainly be be the favorites to start. I, I doubt that you give Al-Kadeen Muhammad a, a cons- any consideration as the starter if Banigou and Ture are doing what you expect of them. So it really becomes... Between those two, uh, who, who do you want in the starting lineup? And Mike, um, to me, Bandigu is more in the mold of Jabal Sheard, who you've had in that starting spot for the past couple years. But once again, it's hard to ignore the explosiveness of Ture if indeed that explosiveness has fully returned from his injury last year. And in, in, in the name that we haven't got there, we'll get to it. Tackle is is Danico Autry a possibility? Is Taekwon Lewis a possibility if he makes a roster? So. We've got to see what what do they want in their base defense? Do they want to? To me, Danico Autry might be more of a shared type of guy. I don't know, but then he may have more value inside. I kind of look at Ture as being that situational pass rush guy to put him out there and just say sick him. But what what you've got is is so many interchangeable parts. Uh, If I had to guess with the group we've got here, I would say Ture with Houston, but I look at Trey being more of a pass rush guy, and I look at Danico Autry more of, he gives you pass rush, but he's more of a run stop guy. They've got a lot of options. In other words, I don't I don't know what they're going to do there. <laughs> this would be, Joe, really valuable for us to be able to go and watch practice, like like usual during training camp, to see what they're planning to do on the defensive line. Because this, this is the time every year where, where we usually figure out these answers, and it'll be at least another uh, three-ish weeks until we're able to do that. 
Yeah, this might be one of those positions where the the term starter is nothing more than a label, and they just kind of filter guys in and out depending on what they want in that specific situation. Like Mike said, Teray, it definitely gives you the most in the pass rush department, but as far as, you know, if this is a rundown, they might put a bigger guy like Autry out there or an Al-Qadim Muhammad um, who's just been solid. He's very underrated. He's just solid in all aspects. So um, I could see even see a situation where they go out there and, you know, Muhammad's out there for the first play of the game, but they rotate people heavily at that left defensive end spot. Yeah, a lot of these guys, Mike, are going to see a lot of snaps. I don't think you're going to see too many, uh, uh, besides maybe a DeForest Buckner or Justin Houston, that really, really fly above everybody else in terms of the number of snaps they get this year, assuming everybody stays healthy. Yeah, I was looking at last year with, when you look at body types, what you want as that defensive end shared was 6'3", 268. Uh, Therese, 248. And Danico Autry's 6'5", 285. He's, he seems like he's more of the prototypical in type of guy, but he can go inside and play well. So uh, we get to talk to Matt Eberflus tomorrow, and I doubt he gives us a lot of details. But you, you're right. This is The value to me of training camp for, for the guys who cover the team is finally you get to watch and see how, how are they using T.Y. Hilton, how are they using Paris Campbell, how are they using these guys? Is Kenny Moore a starting corner, or do you go with Rhodes and Yassine and Kenny Moore is your nickel? This is when you get to see how these guys are going to play. They're, they're various interchangeable players. We've talked a little bit about the interior, but I'll add one more because we really haven't mentioned Grover Stewart too much, and he's a guy that Chris Ballard really, really likes and thought really came on at the end of last year. So he might even be your favorite to quote-unquote start alongside DeForest Buckner, because he's, he's more of a true nose guy. He's he's the one gap. He's the one technique, while Buckner's there is the three technique, and you have your two ends on the outside. So I think Stewart is your only guy who's 300-plus pounds in this group, um, and which, like, you go back and talk to 11-year-old Dave, uh, who was watching the NFL in the, in the mid-'90s, and, like, that that was the, the path that everyone was on, you know, the, the big, huge guys at 330, 340 pounds on the interior – um, guys like Tony Siragusa here for for Colts fans would know certainly that name, um, but that 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 is not really as much the present anymore. You get guys somewhat that are like that on the defensive line, but for the most part, it's it's guys who are in that 280 range, maybe at max or 290 range, uh, who can really like Aaron Donald, as we mentioned earlier, be more the disruptor and be more athletic and is a little bit quicker than those really huge guys in the interior, guys that can make an impact, Joe, in the backfield more often than not. Sure, yeah. I think Stewart and then maybe Sheldon Day, who they signed behind him as kind of those power defensive tackles, guys who are there to eat blocks and kind of create that push, not necessarily slip past the blockers like uh, what they brought in DeForest Buckner to do or what the guy like Danico Autry is there to do or even what they hope Tyquan Lewis can become. Um, so I think it, when you look at that defensive line, it's not just looking and saying, you know, who are our most talented players, but it's also what role are we asking them to do in this specific situation? If, if, if it's not running back, this is the deepest area on the team. In my mind, you're going to cut some players who probably will be picked up and playing elsewhere. Perhaps the most significant training camp battle will be the one that puts points on the board week after week for the Colts, and that's at the position of kicker. Adam Vinatieri will not be a Colt this year. Chris Ballard did not mention him 
And uh, what I forget who the reporter was who asked Frank Reich. He said, hey, Chris didn't mention Vinatieri when uh, he talked about the kicker battle. So that, that that was that was an astute observation, and I wish I could give whoever it was the credit for it. But I think I think Jim Aiello to star may have okay. Made, yeah, it, it might have been Jim. So so props to Jim. Um, and if it wasn't Jim, well then no props to Jim. So <laughs> um, but but seriously, the the kicking battle is between Chase McLaughlin, and Rodrigo Blankenship. Chase came on last year at the end of the year, looked pretty good. Um, it, from from what I recall last year, I don't have his stats in front of me, but. At less than 40 yards, he was great. Even at 50-plus, he was really good. I think he made fit three of four from 50-plus. But his the the questionable area for Chase was that 40 to 49-yard range, which is weird in, in terms of, like, you still were pretty good at 50-plus. But uh, I think you were closer to 50% in that 40 to 49-yard range. But you bring in a guy as an undrafted free agent, Rodrigo Blankenship, there are very few places across the NFL that that he probably would have preferred to go to because the, the kicking position here is certainly wide open. If you can win that job, uh, you I mean, you will have the opportunity to win the job. This is not Chase McLaughlin's job at, at all, not even in the slightest. It is going to be between back and forth between them. Chase will get the first kick because he's the guy who was here last year. But that, Mike, does not at all indicate who is going to have this job coming out of camp. This is a true 50-50 battle that will be decided by what they are able to do this training camp. Yeah, common sense tells you, well, you're going to go with a veteran. Well, you don't have a veteran. McLaugh- you know, McLaughlin was a, was a rookie last year. So it's, it's, it's wide open. I do believe that. And th- th- this will be one of the downsides to no preseason games because you're not going to have guys kicking – in game situations and as much as you try and they will because they said well it's going to be up to frank and the staff and they've got plans to create pressurized situations in in practice you know they'll be practicing for half an hour and they're going to say okay now we're going to try field goals on the spur of the moment it's not the same it's not the same as going out there in the third quarter against the bears or whatever and, and kicking but what you've got and let's not oversell this. You, you can't. They've got to get this right. Because at, at the risk of piling on Vinny, that, that, that position cost them two or three games last year. It, it just did. So uh, uh, and what's really funny, and some of us in the media keep going back and forth, why can't the team just come out and say, we've moved on? Uh, I, I don't because they haven't. I mean, they, they have they have by not mentioning it uh, back in in the off season earlier. They we asked, well, you know, Vinny's he's still having, which gave you every indication they've not been checking in with him. If if Vinny's in my future at all, I'm checking in every week with him. How's how's the leg going? How you kicking? So th- they've unofficially moved on. I think part of me believes. Not part of me. A lot of me believes they want. They're waiting for Vinny to announce his retirement, which I think will happen. I talked to him about a week or two weeks ago, and he he just he just can't get hit his mind in sync with his heart to where he can get the word retirement to come out of his mouth. Uh, as much as he still wants to kick and all that, I just don't think it's going to happen. But this is going to be a very. This will be the first time they've gone to camp for a kicking competition since like 1998, I believe. Mike Vanderjet and uh, Kerry Blanchard. Every other year, 
it's been solid. You've known from Vanderjack to Vinatieri to now this. So it, it's uh, these are just not kickers, just not guys. This is important. And speaking of, I saw recently that uh, my boy Rodrigo Blankenship was working out with Adam Vinatieri. Was um, it the Butler? Where was it? I, I thought I yeah, saw it was at the Butler Bowl. Yes. Yeah. Yep, working out at Butler. So hopefully he's picking his mind, getting a few pointers there. Um, it's just a soft spot in my heart I have for uh, the goggles, Rodrigo. But if I had to put money, I think he wins this uh, this kicking competition. He was across many platforms, the top ranked kicker coming out of college i was surprised Blue he wasn't drafted. Blue Gros award winner yep yep and uh you know he he had a lot of high pressure kicks at georgia as well so i think this guy is uh really going to impress some people this year but but but, but aren't but aren't you going to be nervous aren't you gonna be nervous in the first month of the season trotting a rookie out there to kick that 47 yarder uh to to win the minnesota game i i I would try. I would want to do everything possible not to go with a rookie kicker, but in this situation, there's not a lot between these two guys as far as experience. I realized McLaughlin kicked last year for three teams, I believe it was, but they will go with the best guy. And, and let's just hope I kick. The guy can do his 85 percent, and more than that, make those damn extra points. <laughs> I, I, I always look back to, again, Roberto Aguayo, the kicker the Bucks took in the second round out of Florida State maybe five years ago or so, who, who won the Lou Groza Award as a freshman at FSU, right. their national championship season. That guy, once again, I was in Tallahassee covering that year, and it, it didn't matter. Everything was right down Broadway and, and good from 65. He looked so good. And then he got to the NFL and something snapped and he was so bad, whether it was expectations as a second round pick as a kicker or something that happened in Tampa Bay. I don't know what it was, but the just like just college success does not equivalent to NFL success. And so, uh, Joe, I just want to temper your expectations for <laughs> for for goggles over there. You, you, you just never know. You never do. And that's why, Mike preseason games i think are so important we're not going to get them this year we're not even going to be able to see uh what they do in those type of pressure situations which are the biggest type of pressure situations so they're they're going to have to find ways to to make pressure situations during camp and that's when when mcafee was here and, and he was always a great guy to talk to and he, and he was right the, the kicker venetary whomever he's the only guy that every time he field there are po- I'm not talking kickoffs. Every time there are points hanging in the balance, and that's pressure. It, it, you, you can be a again the, the the Pro Bowl defensive end, and if you miss if if you miss that sack or whatever, you get beat. Okay, we got the next play. These guys every time if they're on the how, how many times is a kicker on the field? So four field goals, three extra points, less seven eight times a game. Every time something hangs in the balance. And when you don't when you don't make it, there are consequences. Would would sort at, at the of riling up Joe. You look at Vinatieri's career, twenty four years to do it that long with that kind of pressure. I realized last year ended awfully, but to do it that long is amazing. That's why of all these training camp battles and all this, this is the one they've got to get right. 
You can help us out for the Colts Blue Zone podcast by leaving us a review on iTunes and also giving us a rating. We'd certainly appreciate that. Make sure you subscribe as well. Get us delivered to your podcast listening device every week. And in terms of this week, it'll be multiple times this week as Joe will be putting together a special Colts Blue Zone podcast featuring just the uh, full interviews with Colts general manager Chris Ballard and head coach Frank Reich uh, to really allow you to go in-depth on what that duo had to say as training camp is set to begin. We will continue to bring you content on a weekly basis for training camp, whether we are at Colts headquarters ourselves or whether we are not at Colts headquarters ourselves. So as of right now, it is just testing and uh, physicals, and pretty soon it will be strength and conditioning. Eventually, in mid-August, we hope to be there for when practice actually begins. But we do thank you for listening to another edition of the Colts Blue Zone podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Colts Blue Zone. You can follow me at Dave G underscore sports. Mike Chappell is at M Chappell 51 and Joe Hopkins is at Roto Street Joe. We'll see you next time on the Colts Blue Zone podcast. 